Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. All right, so why don't we talk about what went down in the NFL yesterday? Pretty wild day. You had the news that Jameis Winston is done for the year. You had the news that Derrick Henry is out indefinitely. Maybe for the rest of the season, maybe not. You have the news that Adrian Peterson is now a Titan. Adrian Peterson is an all-time great. Adrian Peterson, though, right now, obviously is no Derrick Henry. Nobody is. Adrian Peterson, my man's got a closet full of jerseys, right? Arizona Cardinal Adrian Peterson thinks that Tennessee Titan Adrian Peterson is going to take some getting used to. I mean, I'm not saying that's like Orlando Magic big man Patrick Ewing or Orlando Magic beefy big man Sean Kemp. Peterson has done a pretty good job of staying in shape. We know this. He's Adrian Peterson. He's always going to be in shape, but he's not Derrick Henry. Nobody is Derrick Henry. So we can get into the ramifications of what that means to the Titans. You know, with Derrick Henry, of course, we're talking about a guy who's building a resume unlike any other resume. We're talking about a guy who's doing things that's never been done before. We're talking about somebody who literally could go down as the greatest running back ever. We're talking about somebody who means more to his team than any other player in the NFL. You cannot next man up that alpha. So we can get into that. And then there's Von Miller. Von Miller going to the Rams for a second and a third pick. Now, on the one hand, I hesitate to say that that's a massive move because although there generally are not massive moves in the NFL at the trade deadline, you see some moves that look great, and then they turn out to be nothing at all. But the fact of the matter is, I think that's a big swing, and I think that is a pretty massive move. It's big for Denver because Denver's able to get a second and a third for somebody they were probably going to lose anyway in free agency. And then all you get is that free agent compensation. But enormous for L.A. because it is Von Miller. And whereas he's not the Von Miller that he used to be, he's still a high-level Von Miller. And the kind of guy that's going to get to L.A. and he's going to look around and he's going to see what else is on that side of the ball and what's in that locker room and you know it's going to raise him up. You know he will raise his game up. And his game's already at a pretty high level. So you've got Aaron Donald at one level. You've got Von Miller at another. You've got Jalen Ramsey at the back end. We're talking about three Hall of Famers. Pretty crazy. Pretty awesome. Most of all, what is the message that that is sending? The message it sends the locker room. The message it sends this town. The message it sends the entire league. The message it sends around that division even. What is the message? The message is we're going for it. We are all in. The Super Bowl is in our house this year, and we're doing everything we can to not only host it, but to host it. Like, we're not happy with having a good season. We're only happy with having the best season. It's an organization that came this close to winning a Super Bowl, and again, they could have coasted on that for years, but instead, they have been doubling down ever since. One big swing after another. They don't give a damn about draft picks. They don't give a damn about anything other than winning it all right now. Think of what they've done here. They brought in Matthew Stafford before the season. They're bringing in Von Miller during the season. They had already brought in Jalen Ramsey. Like, I'm not sure how they keep doing it, and I'm not sure where Les Need keeps finding these draft picks, although I know they don't give a damn about their draft picks. I just love it. Once again, Good is not good enough. Like good is the enemy of great. 
They're not looking for base knocks. They're not even looking for gappers. They're not looking to just get on base. They're not looking to manufacture runs. Man, they're looking for the big poke. They're looking to jump ship. They're looking for a home run. Always. Thank you, Albie. And these guys are fearless. Big brass gonads. That's pretty much how Les Snead does business. That's how he rolls. Hey, and by the way, it's not even just a Ram thing. A lot of you are not going to like this. It's not just a Ram thing or a Snead thing or a McVeigh thing. It's an L.A. thing. That's your bottom line. This is a star-driven town. You have to have stars. You have to win. You can't be competitive, and you can't just win your division or your conference. you got to win it all. The Dodgers won it all. The Lakers won it all. The Dodgers win a World Series. They bring in Max Scherzer the following year. The Lakers have LeBron in AD. That's more than enough in most towns. Not in this one. They go out and they take the big swing and they add Russ as well. Whether or not that's going to work remains to be seen, but I'm just saying that's what this town's all about. It's a star-driven town. It's Hollywood. And the Rams understand this. The Rams are doing it as well. I mean, before we even get into how Von Miller fits into that defense and what it means to the pass rush, once again, what's it say about their approach, their mindset, their DNA, their culture? Man, big bleeping swings. A star-driven town. That's your bottom line. You have stars and you win. Or people don't care around here. You don't believe me. Check out the attendance at USC games right now. There's nobody there because there are other things in this town to do. Other teams with stars, beaches, Botox, A-listers, champions. Nobody's going to watch boring teams. Nobody's going to watch average teams. You can say what you want about this town. You can say what you want about having nothing but a bunch of front-running fans. They're not. I mean, they're smart. They're busy. They're full of fans, this town, that have other things to do and spend their money on than bad teams and bad experiences. Listen, I got nothing but respect for loyal fans of terrible organizations. I want to be very clear about that. Nothing but respect for loyal fans of terrible organizations. It's not your fault you live in a town with a terrible organization. And if that's the way you want to spend your money, I get that. But not here. That's not how it works around here. We just have other things to do. This is why these teams need to take big swings. This is not a market where people will keep throwing down for teams that suck every single year. They're not paying for it. They're not just going to pay for tickets so they can go and boo somebody. They'll take their same money, and they'll go someplace else, and they'll have a good time. You know, why sit there banging your head against the wall when you can go to the beach or go for a hike or go to a restaurant or go to a show or go find some team that does win? What I'm saying is the Rams get this. In this market, man, you're all in or you're all out. You compete or you don't. And when I say compete, I mean for rings. Rams understand this. I love that move. And they're going to keep doing it. They're going to keep doing it. And if the question is, yeah, well, what about the future? What about it? Don't give a damn. The Super Bowl is this year in Los Angeles. Beautiful stadium at home. To hell if they're going to let somebody else come to their house 
and play the Super Bowl. Love it. Von Miller, 32, can still get to the quarterback. And they really don't care about those draft picks. Why would they? They're going to be picking in the 20s and 30s anyway. That's pretty awesome. That is pretty awesome. Ram it. 1-800-636-8686. Good thing they made that deal or I would have been all about the Giants in the open. Yeah, I know. I know about the monkey and the kid and Halloween. I know about all that stuff. Again, clones, just because I'm not talking about it does not mean that I don't know about it. You keep making that same mistake over and over and over again. Hey, Rome, you must have seen that story about the University of Texas. I saw it. I saw it. Just because I'm not talking about it does not mean that I didn't see it. The next time you show me something or tell me something that I haven't already seen will be the first time. It's my job to know these things, to see these things. I know, clones. I know. How many times have I said this to you? If I always talk about what you want me to talk about, I would have been you years ago. But see, I'm still on the other side of the mic. I'm still on the other side of the camera because I don't always do what you want me to do. So yes, I am well aware of the monkey, the kid, Halloween. Thank you, Albie. The special teams coach, the special teams coach, significant other, the significant others handle. I'm aware of all of these things. The deleted Twitter feed, the fact that the monkey allegedly had all of its shots, and that you don't just roll up on the monkey and fist bump or high five the monkey. I I know all of this. Here's what I don't know. Whether or not it's true. So are you craving some protein after a good workout? I know I am. This time, do not make a shake or eat a bar. Reach for a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender, and it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. And it goes with you wherever you go to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying that way. Look for it in major retail stores near you. And if you don't see it, be sure to ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Wes Unsell Jr. is my guest. Wes, it is a pleasure to have you on the show. How are you? Great, thanks. Appreciate you having me, Jim. It's great to have you, Wes. Thanks so much. Listen, there are a lot of things I want to talk to you about, but why don't we start with that game in Atlanta last night? You dropped a tough one. What was your message to your team after that game? Oh, just a, it's got to be a bounce-back night. You know, I think going in our mindset, you know, I know it's, it's going to happen. We want to avoid stretches of uh, two losses or more. Uh, so just to refocus ourselves, clean up some of the things that, you know, uh, went wrong, some missed assignments, some uh, miscommunications. I think we'll uh, be ready to go tomorrow. You know, Wes, I'm kind of curious. It's like seven games is not a huge sample size, especially when you've got a lot of new faces. But have you seen enough of this team yet to know what the team's identity is, or is that still taking shape? Well, to be honest with you, you know, our whole group has not been intact yet. So uh, it's just interesting to see what we have right now. Um, And I give our guys a lot of credit. You know, we've shown tremendous resilience, you know, whether it's injuries, being shorthanded, um, you know, our, our guys continue to fight and compete. They play for each other. Um, so it's, those are good things to see. That, that's who we have to be. If we're going to find ourselves, you know, um, in, the, in the hunt come April. So uh, I think it's important to lay that foundation and that become a habit of how we have to play. 
West Sunset Jr. is joining us. Habits the key word here, right? So let me ask you about what you do have. You've got Bradley Beal, of course, who's one of the best players in the league. I'm curious, what's it been like to work with him so far? What have you maybe learned about him that you didn't know before you came back? You know, I, I never spent time with him prior to me leaving. He, you know, he was drafted after I left. I always admired his game from afar. Uh, his ability to score was, was very easy. Um, but you, you take stock in the fact of how good of a defensive player he can be. And I think it's been a knock on uh, not only this team, but him individually over the past few seasons. But uh, I think for him, he's completely able to do it. He's got the size, the physicality. Uh, he's, he's a smart player. Um, and I think it's, uh, it's good to see him kind of take onus of that and um, present that every night. Wes Unsell Jr. is joining us. You know, Wes, guys, everybody's different, right? But you've worked with some really, really good players throughout your career, including a guy like Jokic, Jamal Murray. I'm curious, is there something that guys like Joker, Murray, Beal, do they all have in common something similar? Is there a thread that makes them great, or is every single person unique? They're unique in their own way. I think the the one commonality is their work ethic. Um, You know, their just general approach is every day. And it's part of their routine. It's part of their fabric. And I think that that's what gets them into the right mindset. You know, you, you spoke of the habits. And those habits were laid at some point in their career. Um, and they lean on those habits. And that I think has allowed them to have competitive greatness. I like that. They lean on those habits. Like, you think those habits are kind of a pain, but they actually set you free because... I mean, they're there. When things aren't going well, they're already set. They're set in stone. They're there. You know, I've talked to so many first-time head coaches who always talk about what it's like to be over. Like, it's only one seat over. It's only a couple of feet, but it could feel like a couple of thousand miles from assistant coach to head coach. It's such an enormous transition. You've actually made it look relatively easy. I'm not saying it is, but you've made it look kind of seamless. How have you gone about approaching that process and moving that one seat over? Well, I'll be honest. It's not easy. Right. I bet not. Uh, It's been a huge adjustment for me. Um, and the biggest thing, beyond the basketball, it's just managing the, the, the amount of people, the staff dynamic. And it's not just the, you know, the, the four or five assistants, the guys behind the bench, the player development, but you know, the sports science, the analytics. The, there's so many other people that are, that are involved that now you have direct contact with. So you know, the basketball part is actually a place of comfort. You know, in between the lines, during the game, that feels natural. Um, you know, obviously, doing the media is something different. Um, but overall, you know, the, the this pattern has been uh, it's been an adjustment for sure, but it's starting to ease a little bit as far as the routine. Hey, Wes, that's so interesting. Like, I mean, you're a basketball guy. You're a basketball coach, but what you're talking about is basketball is a small part of the job, but it's a part of the job. It's a big part of the job, but all that other stuff you're talking about in terms of managing people, managing the sports science and nutrition, I mean, ultimately, what is the gig? Is it head coach still? Is it CEO? Is it something bigger than all that? How would you describe what it is an NBA head coach is now? No, it, it is more of a, a CEO-type situation. I mean, I think you still have to coach, you still have to, you know, uh, teach. That's, that's why we do what we do. Um, we take pleasure in that, and you love to see guys take hold of it um, and grow. But uh, just the managing of, uh, of people, managing up, um, you know, having those relationships, you know, and, and I think that's the biggest thing. Um, you know, it's easy as an assistant. You get locked in your individual role, and you can kind of put those other things aside. Well, in this role, you have to have a macro approach to everything. Wes Unsell Jr. joining us. You know, you sound like a guy that you and I both know pretty well. This sounds like Michael Malone. Now, when I used to speak to Michael Malone, well, I still do, but when I spoke to him and Tim Conley over the years, they would always bring your name up, and they always had really great things to say about you. I'm curious, what was your time in Denver like, and what did you take away from that experience? 
Well, to both those guys, I mean, they're both dear friends, and uh, I've learned quite a bit from both of them over the years. Um, my six years in Denver were unbelievable. I mean, not only on a personal level, but, you know, professionally, it just took me to another uh, point in my career. Obviously, being around great, a great coach, um, tremendous players, um, and just having that growth from within, you know, where we started to, you know, even where they are now. You know, it's just uh, they were a 30-33 win team when we first got there. Finally made it to the Western Conference Finals. So you just saw the internal growth. And I think that's one of those things you can kind of carry over. It's not going to happen overnight, you know. But, you know, laying that foundation, relying on your habits, continue to get better every day, and eventually you'll see an uptick in the wins. We're talking to Wes Sunsell Jr., head coach of Washington. Wes, before you go, a couple of quick things. Take me back. When you were playing college ball at Johns Hopkins, you were a two-time captain there. What were you like as a player? And then what were your plans for after college? You know, as a player, he's a, on a, at a D3 powerhouse, I must say. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, I was more of a lead-by-example guy, um, and, and I had to find a way to find my voice. And I think I had great opportunities. And, you know, as a young assistant player development guy, coaches gave me that opportunity to kind of develop from within um, and, and be more vocal. So I think that's kind of helped me in my transition. Um, but as far as professionally, basketball was kind of a side thought. You know, I was around it. I knew I was going to play in college, but it wasn't uh, a path for me. I wanted to move into the financial world. Um, I decided to you know, take a year off and maybe go back to grad school. And uh, 24, year, 24 years later, here I am. Here you are. So your name has come up a number of times for head coaching opportunities. Normally, I would say what attracted you to the opportunity with Washington, but knowing your father's history with Washington and your own personal one, Going back to your childhood, it's got to be pretty obvious, but what's it mean to you to be the head coach of this team? Oh, it's an incredible honor. Uh, to be honest, it's not you know, something I pursued. You know, obviously, there's 30 jobs in the world. So you know, you, you've, I've had interviews with other organizations and didn't work out. So th- this having, um, having happened here makes it that much more special. So let me finally ask you, one of the hallmarks of your style is preparedness. You're known for being extremely prepared. I'm curious, when, when, and that, that's a habit in and of itself, when and where did that start? Where did that come from? I think it just goes back to work ethic. You know, that's something, you know, that my parents instilled in my sister and I at an early age. Um, I, I've been able to lean on that, you know, and not only in my academics, but just my overall approach. And I, I just want to make sure that I'm putting myself in the best position to have success and to do that, you got to put the time in. Hey, Wes, I'm really curious. Like one thing about your dad, when you, when people, there's no shortage of people that want to talk to you about your dad. Are you every single time like, yeah, tell me more, tell me more. I can never get enough of this. Or at some point, do you finally say, I love my dad. It's amazing, but I am my own guy, and I'm trying to develop my own story right here. What's your response generally? Because I would imagine there are a million stories about your dad. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I mean, it's good. I, I can't get enough of it. You know. And it's just out of the love and respect that I had for, for him, um, all of his accomplishments. I, I don't uh, look at those, uh, you know, lightly. I think they're, they're, they're tremendous. And the fact that he impacted so many people on a number of different levels, I think, speaks to who he was as a person. Dude, I, I don't know him as a person, but he was fierce as a baller, boy. He was fierce. I, I'm, gl- I'm glad to hear that. I, I always tell a story, Wes. Like I, I went into the family business very, very briefly, and my father passed away. And when I was in the field, before he did, people would stop me and say, hey, you're old man this, you're old man that. I'm like, really? I didn't know that. I always got such a kick out of it. 
So I think that's great. That when you hear those things, it's you can't get enough of it. It's great. Washington is five and two. They're second in the division. They're home against Toronto. Their head coach is Wes Unsell Jr. Wes, great to have you on the show. Nice to talk to you, and I appreciate that very much. Thanks so much. Thanks, Jim. I appreciate you. All right, so let's talk some money for a minute. When you want to find great rates, organize your finances, or just make more intelligent money decisions, where do you go? Lending Tree. That's where, because LendingTree is here for you. With the LendingTree app, you can see all your bank accounts at a glance so you can better understand your spending and saving and build a budget that works for you. Plus, you can monitor your credit score, explore ways to improve your credit, and get automatic alerts to protect your identity. You starting to get a sense? LendingTree can help you with a lot of different things. LendingTree can help make sure that you're getting your best deal on loans, insurance, credit cards, and more through their wide network of banks and lenders. Also, LendingTree gives you personalized tips and insights to help you save money and reach your financial dreams. So whether you want to pay off debt, buy a home, build credit, or just make things a little easier, LendingTree has your back for all your short and long-term goals. There are no subscriptions, no fees, no hassle, just easy, honest, straightforward support to make the most of your money and achieve greater financial health. So download the free LendingTree app right now and get started and see why thousands of people turn to LendingTree every single day for smarter, easier finances. Terms and conditions may apply. NMLS number 1136. All right, so why don't we talk about last night's game for a minute. Normally, if the two-time defending AFC champs and one of the preseason Super Bowl favorites is on Monday Night Football, then that's going to be like my focus right off the top on Tuesday morning. Normally. Especially when they're at home and they're playing a two-win team and they barely win. Normally, that would be the talking point. But let me sum up the Kansas City side of things very quickly for you. The Chiefs do not look right. The Chiefs do not look good. The Chiefs just don't look like a good football team right now. They look like a very average football team. And I'm not sure when they're going to look right or good, if at all. Teams are throwing defensive looks at them, and Kansas City either can't or won't solve those looks at the moment. And it's weird to see it happen, right? Really weird to see them struggle the way they have offensively. One thing to see them defensively have their issues, but to see them struggle the way they have offensively, to see them turn the ball over the way they have, to see Patrick Mahomes having the trouble he's having, man, that's weird. It's weird, and it's a little unusual that they're not getting it fixed. And they may not anytime soon. Having said all that, that to me is not the biggest takeaway from last night's game. There is a much bigger issue about last night's game, and it's got nothing to do with Kansas City. Yet, they don't look great, but they did what they had to do, and they got that win. So, no, the bigger takeaway to me is about New York and the Giants. And the problem is this. Why are the New York Giants always playing on Monday Night Football? Why do we have to be subjected to this garbage Garbage. in prime time on the regular? I understand they play in an enormous market. It is New York. I get that. I understand they've got a big fan base. I get that. Here's what else I get. They've won two games this year. They won six last year. They won four the year before. They won five the year before that. They won three the year before that. They have not won a playoff game since 2011. They're the Jets in blue clothing. 
except at least the Jets have Mike bleeping white. Instead, the entire country has to stare at Daniel Jones looking confused after turnovers and Joe Judge looking confused about pretty much everything. The Giants are 2-6 and six this year, again. In fact, they've been 2-6 and six each of the last five years. Do you know how horrible you have to be to pull that off? The Texans haven't done that. The Lions have not done that. The Jaguars have not done that. But the Giants have. Did you know that? Let me put it to you another way. They're just losers. Loser. It's that easy. Two and six, five years in a row. That makes you a loser. They've got a losing head coach. They have a losing quarterback. They play losing football. And I can't believe that anybody fell for any of this crap at any point. Like, I can't believe how many people were getting all fired up about Joe Judge making his players run gassers during training camp. Like, that was somehow going to make them better, much less a Super Bowl contender. And how pissed off all you Giants fans got when I said that. Like, he is the next coming. He is the next thing. He's imposing discipline. He's making them run gassers. Just like I can't believe people were actually convinced that this was going to be the year that Daniel Jones turned it all around. Like, people had the audacity to call this guy Danny Dimes, and they were serious about it. Or or even better, like, he was put off by that. Like, yeah, I don't like that nickname. you imagine that guy being put off by somebody calling him something Danny Dimes or like that? Like, yeah, that's kind of cheesy. I'm not about that. Dude, really? That's incredible. How ironic. Danny Dimes. Ironic. That guy, Danny Dimes. That makes about as much sense as calling some fat guy tiny. Fat. It's ironic, right? And, and the sickening thing about last night was the game was right there for them, right? Like, they should have won that game. It was there for Joe Judge. It was there for Daniel Jones. And they didn't know what the hell to do with it. They never do. Patrick Mahomes marches down the field on the opening drive. The football gods bail the Giants out completely on this play in the end zone. Third and goal. Mahomes wanted to take off. Now he jumps and throws, batted up into the air, and it's intercepted. Picked off. Julian Love comes up with the interception. I mean, holy crap. How lucky could they be? Now, what would a good team do with that? What would a winning team do with that? Take advantage of it, right? Right? You get that. What good fortune. You go down the field. You score some points. Or in the very least, you get a first down. No. In the very least, you go three and out. You at least go three and out, but not the Giants. Not Daniel Turnovers. Jones the throw. It's picked off. Intercepted. Willie Gay comes up with the pick. And so we trade interceptions early here in Kansas City. First pass, INT. I mean, you could say you watch to it, right? Great chance to get out to a lead on the road in a hostile environment against a struggling KC team. Yet he can't do it. He plays losing football. Joe Judge coaches losing football. There was the offsides in week two, which gave Washington another chance for a game-winning field goal. Last night it was an offside. There was negated an interception on what turned out to be Kansas City's game-winning drive. There was that. They got the Giants to jump on the hard count. Mahomes fires, and it's picked off. Intercepted Darnay Holmes. There is a flag down inside the 20. Darnay Holmes here. Oh. Zeminis just can't hold his water at the line of scrimmage. 
Offensive linebacker, or I should say linebacker, O'Shane Ziminis said afterwards, quote, jumping offside is never acceptable. I'm accountable for that. Yeah, I mean, true, but so is the head coach. I'm sure he'll have you run a few extra laps at practice, so that'll take care of that. But that's not all. You know, we're talking about Joe Judge and this disciplined football team we always hear about. What about Cam Brown getting called for illegal touching and spotting KC an extra five yards at the start of their game-winning drive? Illegal touching. When have you ever seen that called? Illegal touching. Like, these guys suck so much they find new ways to suck. How about Tate Crowder giving them 15 more yards on the same drive? Yeah, the face mask may have been questionable, but it's not like New York's doing the benefit of the doubt. How about Eli Penny coming up with a huge first down catch and then getting busted for taunting? Third and one, the throw for it. It is Penny out of the backfield, stays on his feet. The first down and plenty more. After play was over, unsportsmanlike conduct, offense number 39 for taunting. 15-yard penalty, replay, first down. I'm sure giant co-owner and legendary anti-taunting advocate John Mara loved that. And despite all of that garbage, they were still only down three with 67 seconds left. In other words, if Jones were the guy that everybody wants to believe that he is, you got time left now. You got 67 seconds. Get the team in the field goal range. Instead, he completes a three-yard pass on first down. He gets sacked on second down when you know the one thing that you cannot have happen is getting sacked. You can't get sacked in a situation where there are no timeouts. You know that, right? It's unacceptable. Then he has an incompletion. Then he gets sacked again on fourth down and fumbles because that's perfect. Like no Daniel Jones game would be complete without a fumble. Got to be true to the brand, and he was. A lot of guys may have tried to pass right there, throwing something downfield. But he knows who he is. He knows what the people want. So he gave it to them. You got to play the hits, right? Him having a game without a fumble would be like Paul McCartney showing up and just playing the new stuff from his new album. See, this is how you set a record for most primetime losses to start a career. And he's got that record at 0-7. Yet they keep putting him and them in primetime. It says here this guy could run that to 0-10 if you give him the chance. And I've got a feeling that the network will. And if it only were about this guy going brain dead or guys going and losing their minds on penalties, that'd be one thing. But there's also Joe Judge and that horrible clock management. Big Mike McCarthy can't stop laughing at Judge's clock management. And wait till you hear the excuse for that timeout late in the first half. You know the one they called before running a three-yard out when they needed four yards and then kicked a field goal from the five-yard line? Here's his excuse what happened in that situation for what happened. Joe, what happened on the on the timeouts there in the first half? You guys headsets are going to lie to that. No, we're having headset issues. This happened in every game so far. So we deal with the league, and they keep telling us with different software picks, whatever it is. But we had to call two timeouts today because we're trying to send the deals in personnel-wise, and you got half the headsets on different reception. So that, that's the issue right there. So we're trying to make sure we're in the right call. There are some other times we just didn't like to look. We'll make sure we settle down on But the other one's talking about the substitution is right there. Yeah, it's breakdown. So we're going to make sure the hard work works. So whatever the issue with that is, the people involved with that are going to get fixed fast. Man, this dude, it's always like that, right? Headsets, headsets. We've been talking about this. we got to get it fixed. It'll get fixed fast. I mean, that, that's what you're blaming that on, the headsets? 
you're blaming it on the headsets. That's been an issue in every single stadium in every game this year. He said that. It's been an issue in every single stadium. That's an incredible take. Why are you 2-6? and six? The headsets. Like, we'd be 8-0 if it weren't for the headsets. I mean, one of the lamest things ever. This is a guy who can't stop talking about his team being tough and gritty and playing hard and being mentally tough and physically tough and disciplined, yet he's putting it on the headsets? And that this has happened in every game for eight games? But doesn't want to make it all about the headsets. Then says he doesn't want to make it all about the headsets after he made it all about the headsets. I don't know, man. Let's be real. It's not about the headsets. Maybe there's a reason for one timeout. There's a glitch. Maybe you could even say, even say one loss because of headset malfunctions. But you're not a 2-6 and six team because the headsets are bad. You're a 2-6 and six team because the team is bad. The quarterback's not good. The head coach is not good. The front office is not good. Everything aside from the D coordinator last night was not good. And so my thing is, look, if you're going to be garbage, that's one thing. But why do you keep putting this on national TV and bringing this into my living room? I don't need to see that garbage. Garbage. If anything, my man's all about accountability, though, right? Hey, Joe, are you going to make those headsets run gassers after practice? Do the headsets have to do up and downs? Field-length crab walks? Not on his watch. Hey, you got that, Bose? So if you're anything like me, Your weekend plans include kicking back and watching live sports. And it doesn't matter what sport you're watching. It is always better to have a little bit of action. Personally, I've got my week nine eye on the game between Green Bay and Kansas City. This is why I'm going to recommend downloading the WinBet app right now. Whether you're a recreational player or a serious handicapper, WinBet is your ticket to every exciting wager. From straight bets to parlays, teasers, and any exotic prop wager you can come up with. The app is so easy to use. Everybody knows that Win is one of the biggest and best brands in the gaming industry. So get off the sidelines. Join in on the action. This is why I'm going to recommend once again that you download that WinBet app right now. Download the WinBet app on Google Play or in the Apple App Store and put yourself in the game. Win with WinBet. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. You do have to be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Rasul Douglas is my guest. Rasul, it's great to have you on. How are you? I'm doing good, Rome. How are you doing? Good, dude. Good. I got to ask you, it's been a couple of days since you made that game-winning pick, one of the plays of the year, man. How is your life right about now? How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Um... Just ready to get back after it this week against Kansas City. All right, so you got Kansas City on your mind. Let me ask you about Arizona because, as many people know, you had been with Arizona up until three weeks before that game. You know, there's so much made always, Rasul, about revenge games. And then people try and tell you it's not personal. How can it not be personal? Like, what was your mindset and what were you feeling going into that game? Was there a little extra for you? Uh, Nah, it wasn't extra at all. Um, It was just the next the next team we play. So that was really it. It had nothing to do with that I was there and I wasn't there. Because it's not like they cut me. You know what I mean? So. All right, so if there's nothing extra, I'm not going to try and make something extra out of it. Let me ask you this. The defense was missing a number of guys, and you were missing your D coordinator. So I'm curious, what was your mindset going into a game against Kyler Murray when you're missing that kind of uh, personnel? What was the key to limiting his impact? 
Uh, I think the D-line did a, a, a great job of just containing him. Uh, I think our coach had a good plan in for us to kind of slow him down. Uh, D.C. wasn't there, but uh, he Zoom called us every day uh, up until the game. So he was kind of always around. All right, so let me ask you this. On that final defensive play of the game, you made that amazing play. You're in single coverage on A.J. Green. The call was to send seven guys to Kyler Murray. What was your focus on that play? Uh, I, I knew the ball was coming to, to me because I was to the short side of the field, uh, right next to the quarterback, and I knew we were going all out blitz. So I figured if he was going to get the ball out of his hands fast that he would throw it to me. So I just tried to, um, to make sure I was in a good position to make a play on the ball. So what do you think? When you see that ball in the air like that, Do you what are you thinking or are you not thinking at all? Do you just react and make the play? Yeah, you just react. You just try to catch it. You did. So let me ask you this. like Knowing your journey to this point, you're downplaying this, but knowing your journey to this point and the importance of that win, what did it feel like to make that play in that situation and clinch that win for your team? Yeah, it, it felt amazing um, just to get the win. Uh, we knew we were shorthanded with a lot of guys, and, uh, and a lot of guys stepped up and made plays. So just to come out there and uh, get, a, get a win against the, the number one team in the NFC at, the, at that time was big. Russell Douglas is joining us, a Packers cornerback. You know, you look at your journey. You played 46 games for the Eagles and then got released at the end of training camp last summer. Then you go to Carolina. You start 11 games there. Then you sign with Las Vegas. Then you spend some time with Houston and Arizona. It's a lot of different spots. What was that time like for you, and how did you approach it? Um, the time where at different teams? Yeah. Um, well, for Houston, it was literally a day. Um Raiders and Raiders was a, a OTAs, but just getting better. Honestly, uh, just trying to just stay after it, uh, stay with my routine and how I prepare to uh, practice and, and play, and just stay ready. You know, for when the opportunity came of me playing. Thing is about this, like in early September, you were on the practice squad. You had been in the league five years now. And as you said, mm-hmm. you had never been on the practice squad before. I'm curious, what was that like? What were those days like? And at any point did you think, man, you know what? This is not going as planned anymore. Maybe it's time to think about something else. Did you ever let that enter your mind? Uh, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I, I had entered my mind a few times while I thought about it. But I got uh, a nice, some nice people around me to kind of like lift me up and, and just talk through. And my, my prayers uh, work for sure, so... Things like that helped me. But, yeah, I've never been in that position before. And uh, just being there, feeling like you're, you're working hard for nothing, in a sense. But, I mean, we were winning at the time when I was with Arizona. So I kind of knew too much wasn't going to change. We're talking to Rasul Douglas. It's a really honest answer. I appreciate that. Now, you could see Aaron Rodgers at the end of that game. Man, God, he was ecstatic, dude. He was so, so pleased with the outcome and how that all went. After the game, he was talking about how it was going to be a great flight back to Green Bay. I'm curious, what was that flight like for you? Uh, it, was, it, was, it was great. <laughs> we just tried to get a little bit of sleep on a plane. Uh, knew we were landing in early in the morning, so just try to get some sleep. Dude, you're, like, you're taking care of your business. Like It's a lifestyle. Jerry Gray was talking about this. He's the DB coach. He called you a pro. That's what I consider him as. He doesn't talk a lot. He's a real quiet guy. He understands. So what's it like when you come to a new team and a new system in the middle of the season and you try and pick all that up on the fly? As a pro, what's that been like? Uh, honestly, it's been, it's been smooth here. Uh, first day uh, talking to Gray, I mean, like he kind of, 
he made me feel like 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 home. You know, he kind of made me feel comfortable, uh, just just opening up and just like learning from him. So after that, it was just every day I just try to keep learning, keep learning, and keep learning, so I can I can figure it out. All right, you know, so you transition faster for myself. Uh, sorry about that. I was going to say you mentioned it right off the very top. So now we're on to Kansas City. You've got them on Sunday. You go from facing Kyler Murray to facing Patrick Mahomes. It's early in the week, but what are your early thoughts on that? What is the key to stopping Mahomes in that offense? Uh, just try to limit big plays as much as we can. I get that. You got Green Bay at Kansas City on Sunday. You made one of the biggest plays of the year. Russell Douglas, my guest, and Green Bay is 7-1. and one. They're in first. Russell, it's good to have you on the show, man. I appreciate you. Thanks for doing the program. Nice to talk to you. All right, Jim, man. Thank you. I appreciate it so much. So let me ask you something, and you tell me, does this sound familiar? You've got that one device that allows you to catch the game live, and then another that lets you stream your favorite shows, and you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbors, best friends, dads, moms, login for all the good stuff. Yet, let me tell you a better way, a simple way to get all of that entertainment that you love without all that hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch all your favorite sports, movies, and shows in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again, and the very best part, there is no annual contract. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Just because it's on the internet does not mean that it's true. What I don't need you to do is to come in here rocking your producer hat, telling Alvin how to trick this one up with this sound effect or that sound effect. It seems like Alvin's got that under control. Thank you. Also, Alvin's not coming to your office and leaning into you and telling you how to do your job. So don't do that to Alvin. Not now, not ever. And again, I'm aware of this story. I'm aware of the story. I'm aware of the quotes. So, I know all about the viral allegations. If you're just joining us right now, there, there being you, are trying to get me to talk about the story involving the University of Texas. There's a special teams coordinator, and apparently that coach has got a monkey, either as a pet or a support animal. And that monkey allegedly attacked a trick-or-treater on Halloween. Again, I know about that. Uh, Or I know what's been suggested. I know it's been speculated. I just don't know if it's a true story. So what I'm trying to say to you is this. If you want to talk about Texas losing three straight and then trying to bounce back from that choke job against Baylor, we can do that. But if you want to talk about somebody's pet monkey allegedly biting a trick-or-treater, I'm not here for it. I'm good. I have all the information I need. Once again, I don't know that it's real. Let me give you one more quote. Before I move on, USA Today's FTW site has a quote. A Texas assistant coach's wife appears to have deleted her Twitter account after responding to allegations that the couple's emotional support monkey bit a trick-or-treater at their home over Halloween weekend. End of quote. So that's your fascination with that, that they have an emotional support monkey. Uh Uh-huh. And who doesn't? What, you? You? 
Do you have an emotional support monkey? Yeah, that's what I thought. And for the ones who do have one, i.e. pretty much all of you, who hasn't had an emotional support monkey that took a chunk out of a kid on Halloween night? Right. That's what I thought. To quote an actual sports figure, it happens. It happens to us all. It happens to us all. And I'm aware of the suggestion that the monkey is owned by the assistant coach's significant other, just like I'm aware that that significant other is allegedly an exotic dancer who allegedly appeared on Jerry Springer and is allegedly allegedly nicknamed Pole Assassin. Right. I know all of this. Listen, as far as Pole Assassin goes, as long as the so-called Pole assassin did not self-gloss. I'm cool with that. As long as the pole assassin did not just decide to call herself the pole assassin, no harm, no foul. Yeah, great. She was on Springer. How do you think Springer got to be Springer? By booking the likes of the pole assassin. No, I caught myself. And her emotional support monkey that she may or may not have hit the stage with. For some reason, you think that's funny, too. And yeah, that that allegedly is part of the story. That she has an emotional support monkey and she hit the stage with that emotional support monkey. And her handle is Paul Assassin. All right, so now we've covered this, right? Let me ask you something. Unless you've been in the arena... The big arena. Unless you yourself have been on any stage at all in your life, you have no idea what it's like. Let me tell you something. It's rough out here. Stage fright is a real thing. Pressure to perform when the lights go on is a real damn thing. You do what you have to do to get right. And if that means dragging your emotional support monkey across the stage with you to slow yourself down, And to slow the game down, you do that. You do what you have to do to get right. Because so many of you that are judging so harshly have never been in the big arena, never been on the big stage. All right? Let's get real for a minute. I'm in the Radio Hall of Fame. But you think I haven't thought about doing the same. You think that I haven't had moments on this big stage where maybe I yip up a little bit. You think that I haven't thought about bringing Chim Chim Cheru to work with me. You think again. Why don't you own your own bleeping stage before you judge somebody else about what they're doing on theirs? So no, I'm not going to allow that. Not until it's verified by a couple of sources. And probably not even then. Man, wake me up when this thing's in a real newspaper or something. A paper or record. Oh, and yeah, I've seen the now-deleted tweets that are allegedly from the Pole Assassin. I saw the one that read, quote, People lie so much. It's ridiculous. Kind of ridiculous. Stop believing everything you hear and more of what you see. SMH. Hey, now we're talking, Paul Assassin. You hear her? Stop believing everything you hear and more of what you see. Hell yeah, PA. People do lie. People, people do believe everything they hear. About this alleged follow-up tweet that read, quote, No one was viciously attacked. This is a lie. A whole lie. She was not a part of any haunted house. The kid did not have permission to be on the other side of my property. See? Pole assassin just cleared the whole thing up. It's a big freaking lie. Nobody was viciously attacked. 
The emotional support monkey was not a part of any haunted house, and the kid did not have permission to be on the other side of the property. So, again, I don't know what's true and what's not, but even if that kid was bitten, apparently it's on the kid, according to this deleted tweet. Because the kid should not have been on that part of the property, according to the now-deleted tweet. And by the way, wasn't that hammered into all of us at the youngest age? You know, things like, nothing good ever happens at 2 o'clock in the morning. Go on the wrong side of somebody's property. You're going to get your ass bitten by an exotic dancer's emotional support monkey. Like, who doesn't know that? Allegedly. And before you get all worked up about how reckless it is to have emotional support monkeys around kids, check the other alleged tweet that read. It read that the monkey, quote, has had all her shots. She's an emotional support animal who is not to be touched. She speaks by command of high five. No one is allowed to touch her unless I say okay or I myself say I okay it. All right, then. Starting all makes sense. First, the monkey has all of its shots. Also, I think we all know you never just roll up on an emotional support monkey. I think we all know you don't try to high-five that monkey. Only the owner can do that. You don't fist bump that monkey. Only the owner can do that. You don't touch that monkey. Only the owner can do that. There's a right way and a wrong way to approach a monkey. So why is everybody coming for the pole assassin? I'm just not getting into it until I have the facts, right? I'm not getting into it until I have the facts and it's been verified. So... I'm not going to let you idiots run up through here cracking jokes about the pole assassin or the monkey or a kid who may or may not have been bitten. Hey, and by the way, can I say one more thing? What's funny about this? What's funny about a kid? Say it is true. What's funny about some kid getting munched by a monkey? What if that were your kid? What if that were your monkey? What if your name was the pole assassin? Like, none of this is amusing to me at all. Peyton Thorne is my guest. Peyton, it's great to have you on. How are you? Oh, man, I'm doing good. Uh, Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It's great to have you on, and it's good to hear you. Listen, let me ask you. I know you've already shifted your attention to Purdue, but you got to take me back to Saturday's game against Michigan. Always an enormous game, obviously, but when you're both undefeated, when you're both ranked in the top 10, what was the mood like around the facility all week long in the buildup to that game? What was that like? It was something. It was uh, it was definitely fun to be a part of and and fun to fun to watch. Just campus kind of transformed throughout the week. You know, you had college game day, uh, big noon kickoff. We're both set up on opposite sides of the parking lot where we parked to to come into practice every day. So, you know, you saw the the stuff getting set up, and you could feel the you know the hype around campus. And it was uh, it was a, it was a lot of fun to play in the game, and and our atmosphere was outstanding. Our fans really came and. And we're awesome all day. That's how you set the scene. I like that. Peyton Thorne joining us. So your head coach, Mel Tucker, said that he told you before the game, quote, you're going to have to be the eye of the storm for our football team for four quarters. End of quote. I understand that, like, you're one guy, but you are the guy and you were the eye of the storm, according to him. Like, what did that mean to you when he said that to you? And then how did you approach that role? I meant a lot. And, uh, you know, I, I understood what he's saying. He said that uh, – you know, the quarterback and the head coach have to be the eye of the storm. And, you know, you know what I kind of think of when I hear that is just, 
you have to be calm when, when things are not outside of you, you know? And, um, you know, it was, it was cool to hear him say that. Uh, it was, it was cool to, to feel the, the belief that I felt like he has in me. And, um, you know, I said before, I love playing for him and, uh, it's definitely a lot of fun to, to be behind him out there, you know, and going forward, uh, where it's going to be a lot of fun. We're talking to Peyton Thorne. You know, it's one thing to be calm when things are calm, but then you got to be calm when things are not so calm. Like the game didn't get off to the start that you had wanted. Obviously, you had that interception on the first drive. You followed that by a punt. Then you had an interception. Next thing you know, you're down 10 nothing. At that point, things could fall apart, but they didn't. So what kind of thoughts and emotions were you having? How did you remain calm in that situation? Yeah, you know, obviously, like you said, things didn't get started great. But, um, you know, the, the first interception, you know, I was coming out the field and, you know, obviously not happy about turning the ball over. But uh, at the same time, you know, I saw he caught – it was third down. He caught the ball like the one so or the one or two. So, you know, I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, that's a, that's a good punt. You know, I can I can look at it like that. Um, you know, and then the second one hit off um, a defender's helmet, you know, as he was, he was a blitzer. He jumped up, hit him, and it went straight in the air. So – Again, not happy about about throwing that interception either. But uh, you know, it was both of those. I, I'm almost positive we're in the first quarter, and so I'm just on the sideline thinking, you know, okay, we got a whole game in front of us. You know, our defense did a good job holding them to a field goal on the second one. It's 10-0. You know, that's by no means a a score you can't come back from in the first quarter. So just trying to get back on the same page and, and go out there and execute our stuff and and just keep keep chopping along and uh, put ourselves in a good chance in the fourth quarter, which was what we were able to do. Keep chopping. Peyton Thorne is joining us. Mel Tucker says that all the time, and it's true, right? So something else he and I have talked about is the toughness that this team seems to possess, and a lot of that from the offseason conditioning that you guys did in terms of physical development and mental toughness. Like, how would you describe how tough this team is mentally and physically, and then how does that come into play in a game like that? Yeah, you know, I think it does start in the offseason, and uh, Coach Tucker doesn't call it the offseason. He calls it out of season because he doesn't doesn't believe there's ever a time where you're you're truly off and I completely agree I know our team agrees with that and uh you know just going through that program the offseason program you have to be tough you know you got guys coming for you at all times and uh really just the competitive nature of our program you have to be tough and if you're not mentally and physically tough you know you're not going to last and um you know that's something that we that we talk about a lot and uh, something that we believe in and I think that just comes over time with just the coaching that you get. And, uh, you know, Coach Tucker's huge on not having any excuses. Really, no matter what the heck happens, you know, there's no excuse. And, uh, you know, that's that's something that, that we're big on and that's something that we have, you know, become accustomed to over the past, you know, year or so. Yeah, Payne, I'm curious. Like, you you have this sense, like, that you never seem phased and you never blinked, and it's a certain way you kind of carry yourself. I'm just saying that as somebody on the outside looking in, a lot of what you're saying is the philosophy of the head coach. You know, this is – we have no excuses. you got to be mentally tough. you got to be physically tough. You're not going to make it here unless you're any of these things. Like, does he have to recruit that? Can somebody show up on campus without those things and learn those things, or is that just not going to work there? Do you have to have some of that when you get there? I think you can learn it. You know, you're gonna have to learn it quick. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I definitely think that that guys that aren't totally used to that they can learn. But um, it is something like I said that you, know, you better get figured out quick, or else you're gonna find yourself in some trouble early on. You know, and and kind of in a whirlwind almost. And uh, you know, it's good that we have older guys who understand. You know, younger guys when they come in may not be used to 
what we do on a day-to-day basis and may, may not be used to the intensity of practice and, and all those things. So uh, it's about, you know, building up the young guys and uh, having their back and helping them out along along that journey of getting used to and getting acclimated to, to our program. We were talking to Peyton Thorne, quarterback at Michigan State, for a few more moments. Obviously, Kenneth Walker the third had a huge role in that win. Nearly 200 yards on the ground. He had five touchdowns. What did you make of his performance, and what does he mean to the team? Man, it was it was pretty amazing. You know the way he played on Saturday. Uh, it was fun to fun to watch from the backfield. You know, and uh, he, you know, it's something that he does every day. Honestly, you know, there was no no move out there that he made that we haven't seen already in practice or in a game already this year. And uh, you know, our offensive line played really well. We had guys guys blocking well, and then obviously you know you see the plays and the and the moves that he puts on guys out in space. So uh, it was a lot of fun to be a part of and, and to watch him have the game that he had, you know, I'm extremely happy for him uh, just with his, the whole year that he's had. Uh, he's an outstanding player, but, uh, you know, I tell everybody that I talk to that, you know, he, he truly is an even more impressive person than he is player. You know, he's an awesome guy and you love being around him. Uh, he's an incredibly hard worker and he's just a great, great teammate. So uh, very happy for him. And yeah, it was, it was an outstanding game to, for him and uh, he was huge for us in, uh, in securing the the victory Peyton Thorne my guest really quickly so you've been a part of this enormous turnaround for Michigan State and the program what's it been like for you to be a part of this and to see this thing turn the way it has it's been awesome you know I, I when I came here you know you see the the Big Ten championship banners uh hanging and uh the Rose Bowl uh banners from the past and and you really just want to to play in games like that, you know, and to and to put yourself in position to play for championships, and uh, you know, me growing up when I was in middle school and high school, I was I watched Michigan State, you know, go to Big Ten championships and win Big Ten championships. So um, when I came here, that is one of the goals that that I had, and uh, to have a chance uh, here in November to to possibly play play for that, it's it's pretty awesome and. Uh, you know, it's something that we talked about this off season, and something that our players and obviously our coaches uh, have their their sights set on. But at the same time, you know, we're focused on Purdue this week, and, uh, and they're, they're the next step. So I appreciate this. One last thought: You're number five in the AP poll. The college football playoff rankings come out tonight. Is that something that you're all talking about? Is that something you're paying attention to or not? Um, it's something that we're aware of, but we are, uh, you know, talking about really staying away from that. You know. Um, we don't we don't ignore noise, but at the same time we we shut it we shut it down and uh, realize what matters. And what matters this week is Purdue, and uh, and you know they're a really good football team. We're not to be ready for them. And uh, you know I said earlier today to to somebody else that you know there's been no tro- trophies handed out in the, in you know the first month of November. So uh, we got four four really good teams in front of us here to end out the regular season, and we uh, you know we got to have our focus set set on those teams. I believe you. Michigan State's 8-0, the number five in the AP poll, but next up is Purdue. That's Saturday. Their quarterback is Peyton Thorne. I mentioned a Manning Award watch lister. Davey O'Brien watch list, too. Peyton, great to have you on the show. Really appreciate the conversation. Thanks so much. Good to talk to you. Appreciate it, guys. Have a good one. Good night now!